0: All right uh, welcome to another episode of the I am Liberty podcast. Super honored to be joined by Jimmy Rex, uh, podcaster, entrepreneur, author, and overall just an awesome dude. How are you doing Jimmy?
1: man, it's a pleasure to be on. I, I love the name of your podcast. It's such a it's one of those things I uh, I think that in another life I was one of the sons of Liberty. I always joke I just I love that whole story and all those guys and you know so it's a pleasure to be here man.
0: So, uh, st- uh, I just want to dive right into that. That's actually really cool. Sounds Sons cool. of Liberty, uh, in another life. That's kind of very Patton-esque. I don't know if you you know that about General Patton, uh, but he believed that he was a general in previous wars prior to World War II. So very very Patton-esque. Oh, so cool. what do you mean, I, Sons of I didn't Liberty know that. in a previous life? Yeah.
1: Well, I'm yeah. Curious. No, the guys that really started the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a. TV series on it or whatever. I mean, if you can just study it, but the yeah. sons of, they called themselves the sons of liberty. And basically, these dudes were troublemakers uh, in all the best ways. And they just valued freedom, kind of like today you see, you know, with everything going on. And you kind of can see the people that truly are ready to fight for freedom. And to me, uh, you know, I try to surround myself with those peoples. I think that's in my blood. And so, yeah, so uh, the word liberty has a lot of meaning to me. I've, I've literally like studied them in depth. I, Uh, A
0: couple of my heroes are part of that group. Wow. All right. You said a lot of things there. Troublemakers, uh, I think, stuck out to me uh, because I do feel like that's very, um, very American, very, very true to uh, what we are as, as people, as Americans, is we're not necessarily troublemakers, but not afraid to bend the norm as what, you know, is what's perceived as the norm. So that's really cool that you say that liberty's in your blood, right? I mean, yeah,
1: well, you know. it's troublemaker in all the best ways, <laughs> right? Like I, you know, to me, you got to ask more questions. You got to question life, got to question everything. And the people that are willing to question, the people who are willing to go, wait, hold on. How come this is being done this way? They're the people that changed the world. And the guy that got sick of the horse, you know, taking a shit on the road was the guy that was like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And the next thing you know, we got cars, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Or <laughs> the guy that was, you know, I, got, like, I really wish I could make a phone call, but I have to be yeah. at my house cause that's the only place my phone's at. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, y- voila, the cell phone. It's, it's the guy that's willing or the woman that's willing to question things that really makes change. And that's the same as, you know, with policy or freedom, all these different things, whatever it might be. And so for me, I just, I always come from a place of curiosity. And so I think that, makes you seem like a troublemaker like I know when I was in school and I would just the teacher would say something and I'd be like That doesn't sound right and I'd like just question it And I remember when I was even when I was a missionary which you were taught like you just obey the rules like that is not to be questioned And I remember one time the mission president came up with this really weird I mean, I'm in Mexico and it's 110 degrees during the day. It's 90 at night And uh, he comes up with this new rule that we weren't allowed to wear shorts in the house and I'm like, that just makes no sense. That's a dumb rule. And everybody just goes with it. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to question this one. So I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, President, no offense, but like, it's a terrible rule. I was like, please explain your logic because it's 90 degrees in the house and, you know, we need to have shorts on. He said, well, I went to some of the elders house and, you know, for, sorry, listen to this and you're not familiar Mormon people. We wear garments underneath our, our uh, you know, clothes and it's not supposed to be shown. And so um, at that time. He said, I went to a couple houses and some of the people's garments were hanging out the bottom of their shorts. And so I just made a rule, no more shorts. I said, well, why don't you just make a rule, no letting your garments hang outside your shorts. (laughs) Like that seems like like a much better (laughs) rule. And he's like, man, good point. And I explained to him how hot it was and everything. And he changed the rule. And so it was like, when I say troublemaker, I think it's more just like you're willing to challenge authority. You're willing to question things that don't feel right. Like that's right now. It's like there's. I don't know where this is all going, but a lot of things don't feel right. And I think it's important to at least question it, whether you don't have to have definite answers. I don't know what the answers are to what's going on, but there's things worth questioning right now. And I think that's what somebody like me that values, again, those qualities is just willing to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's there's so much more we can we can get into on that, and uh, I guess we'll we'll table that for now because I want to just touch briefly on where we're at. So we're in Rookery Studios. Is is that what it's called? That is. Yeah. I, I, uh, when I was a, in college, I came across the word Rookery,
1: and it's a place where penguins go to mate. And I just thought that was the funniest word, <laughs> and I wanted to start it. I always wanted to start something like I was gonna do like a like a. Uh, bakery or something that had that name. But then when I had the podcast studio, I was like, ah, oh, it's the perfect name. And so I really enjoy it.
0: Oh, that explains the penguin on the front door. That's right. That explains the penguin, the large penguin on on the wall there when you walk in. So, uh, and I was going to ask you about the name of it. So, so now we have a little background. There it so. is.
1: Yeah. It's literally just, <laughs> I just thought it was funny when I came across the word.
0: <laughs> uh, I thought it had something to do with like chess, you know, like, oh, okay. Um, the rook and, the, and yeah, 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 yeah. But I didn't quite understand the penguin. So. <laughs> (laughs) now we've got the background on that. And it's here in Orem, Utah, and it's open to anybody to come record, right?
1: Yeah. So essentially, I mean, I've been doing my podcast, actually, this Thanksgiving will be four years. And so I've been doing it for a while now. And, you know, I've learned a lot of things doing my own podcast. I'm at 330 episodes or something. And uh, I've learned the right mics, the right equipment, the right audio and acoustics. And so I finally, you know, I had this space, we moved my real estate office to a bigger building and bought a new building last year, um, or during the beginning of the pandemic actually two years ago and uh and so i had this space and i was like what do i want to use it for and i always need a podcast studio and so i just formed it into that and it was like well we might as well you know open it up to other people because i remember when you're starting out i mean i tried to hire two kids to like video and audio every episode and honestly <laughs> things get messed up and then you know you're using mics but it's just tricky and sometimes you get too much uh, uh echo in the room or you don't have the right room to record the podcast and it really is sad when you get a really cool podcast, but the audio is not that good. And um, so for me, it was like, well, if I can help people. So we basically do it for everybody. They come in, we set up everything for them. All they do is like you're doing today, like sit down with the guest, they say, start, you roll into it, and everything gets done for you. So video and audio.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And it seems like a perfect setup. I, I just, you know, kind of turn the microphone on in my home and, and, you know, kind of record people or, or just do like an online zoom. And so, yeah, I wanted to come check it out. You'd posted about it on your Instagram. So it's, it's pretty sweet. And you've got three separate rooms. Uh, so people can, can do audio visual and you do all the hosting and everything and, and editing and, and like, yeah, it's, all it's,
1: done for you. Cause yeah. I mean, so many people want to do a podcast. You know, I was talking to actually to Tim Ferriss one time and he had the number one podcast in the country at the time. And I told him, I think it was on episode like 90 or something at the time. And I was talking to him and he goes, wow, that's really good. He said, he said, I think it was a crazy number. It was like 98% of podcasts don't go over 60 episodes. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, people just, it's too much work. And mm-hmm. so what we've tried to do is so many people want their voice to be heard. They want to do a podcast, but it's just too much work. Mm-hmm. And so if we can take all the parts of it that suck and do it for you and keep it honestly very reasonable on the price, it's much cheaper than buying it all yourself anyway and doing all the uh, editing yourself. And so like when you really break it down, we just took all, all the parts of it that that people don't like. And then all of a sudden it's just really fun. Cause I mean, podcast, nothing's changed my life more than my podcast. being honest, like the opportunity to meet different guests, to meet different people, to, um, to share messages, like, and people get to know me. It's like, you know, I had this person reached out to me yesterday. This lady that lives in Vegas, never met her. Don't even know what she looks like. And she's like, "Hey, like, I've been so hesitant to ever do anything with real estate, but I just trust you. I've been listening to your podcast for the last few years. Like, I don't even know who this lady <laughs> is. And but my point is, it gives you an opportunity for people to to kind of get to get a glimpse of who you are and what you are all about. And so I think everybody should have a podcast. Like, it's just such a great way to share a message and get your word out there of who you are, um, and a great way to network and meet people. So yeah, I'm I'm huge advocate of the space. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to create this." Studio as well because I have so many friends that I think have been wanting to get into this space, but they just don't know where to start.
0: Yeah. And this is just, I mean, I wasn't sure if I needed to bring anything and I didn't, I just kind of showed up and you do have everything here.
1: Yeah. We'll make that more clear. That's good. That's good marketing (laughs) messages.
0: Uh, So yeah, you just show up you and, and I'm glad that you agreed to do this interview. So I was, I was pretty excited about this. I do have, uh, you know, a question that, that was, you know, kind of sent your way. So you mentioned that, uh, I guess this is like Um, you've used the podcast for just meeting people like I guess your podcast Uh, so you've met some great people I'm obviously sitting down here super excited about that Uh, would you consider yourself an influencer as well just on Instagram and all that um, Um, I mean yeah I mean
1: the the word influencer obviously is just (laughs) one of those words right but I'll say this man it's I very intentionally decided, you know what? I have taken so much coaching and training. I've worked so hard. I've gone through so many different things in my life. Like, yeah, I want to help other people. And I would talk to people and the people would just come to me. I was the person people would come to. Me. And I'm like, man, I, I have a lot of information to share. And so I said, you know what? I need to, I, well, once I saw like an actual influencer, how much money they were making and how much reach they had, I was like, holy shit, I need to, I need to be a part of this. And so I very intentionally built up Um, what I was doing. That's when I started writing the book. That's when I started the podcast. That's when I started building my Instagram very intentionally, right, and doing Mm -hmm. some different things. That's when I started with my coaching courses and um, started letting people know I was for hire to speak because I wanted to get my message out there. And it's been really cool because, uh, I mean, yeah, I get multiple messages every single day, people that found my book or my podcast or whatever it was, and um, you're able to, you know, make a little bit of a difference. And so, yeah, I, I guess you can say, Um, the word influencer again, but, um, what I think is, is I've built a platform that allows me to help a lot of people now. And I think when, you know, I, I, and I talked about this on a podcast, my own podcast the other day, but I used to volunteer, um, for like the, um, big brother, big sister program Mm -hmm. and loved it, loved doing it. But there was only one kid and I always was like, God, I, I need to be affecting more people here. So I started coaching high school baseball. And I got into, uh, you know, coaching high school baseball. And then it was like, I, I saw the influence. I could help with these kids. But then I was kind of like, you know what, like, there's still like, I need to reach more people. And so I've just tried to expand my voice, sh- share my message. I think we live in a world now where there's so many negative messages. There's so many people that are sharing a, a message that isn't a good message. So for those, um, you know, somebody like myself that I think I've learned some things and they've been able to figure some stuff out. Uh, yeah, I want to get as big of a microphone as I can and share that message with as many people as possible.
0: Yeah. And I definitely think you're doing, I can't remember at what point I stumbled across your Instagram and then I started listening. Your podcast, and then I bought your book. Actually, in preparation for this, I know you had a book um, before that, but uh, I wanted to to just kind of get ready for this interview. And so there's there's so much that I guess. It seems like it started with the podcast then, uh, your book and and all that, it seemed like it kind of all came together around the same time. Was that, yeah, it was all kind
1: of, I I launched, uh, you know, I, I found a key hire, um, cause I knew I I wanted to do like this coaching funnel for real estate agents and I wanted to do the podcast and I want to do the Instagram stuff and I didn't know how to do any of it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to find a guy, his name's Brett and uh, hired him, and he he told me he knew how to do it all. I later found out he just wanted to work with me, so he <laughs> told me that, but he did learn it, and I couldn't tell the difference in his defense. So, um, But that really helped catapult me, because it's one of those things that I wasn't able to, I mean, the amount of stuff I was doing at once, there's no way I could have done it without him, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and so, I, you know, it was easy to respond to your Instagram message and say, hey, Rookery Studios, I wanna, I just started a podcast literally like, you know, like three or four weeks ago and then you posted that and I was like, I would love to just sit down in the podcast. I wasn't sure if you were gonna be available for an interview um, and so I'm glad you've made time for it. Uh, I'm not sure. It was the
1: name of your podcast is why <laughs> to be honest. I was like,
0: yeah, I'll go on that podcast. I,
1: know, I know everything I need to know about this.
0: <laughs> well, and that that's kind of an honor because, uh, well, in a lot of ways, I guess I'm just trying to, to talk to people who I feel like I would like to emulate or who emulate liberty or live lives of liberty. And I feel like you do that in so many different ways. Uh, you... I mean, there's and there's so much we can cover from your book to your coaching to, uh, you know, your your real estate business and, and just like everything else in between your friendships, your your I'm sure you're part of some masterminds and and investment groups. I mean, there's there's so much that we can cover, um, but I guess I'll start with the book because there's a theme in the book in uh, the name of the book for anybody who's listening. Um, and I know you said a, pretend like nobody's listening, Uh, but I kind of failed on that. The name of the book is, uh, I guess it's You End Up Where You're Headed, right? Yeah, You End Up Where You're Heading, and then the subtitle
1: is The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life.
0: Okay. Yeah. So one of my friends wanted me to ask you, when you were looking at investments, uh, what what do you do to assess risks? Um, And so... But I want to make that kind of a broader, broader in question because because risk is just such an inherent part of our existence. Um, and I feel like if we're living lives, safe lives, if we're kind of cowering in corners and, and too afraid to get in the arena, if you will, uh, then then sure, we're maybe mitigating risks, but we're also uh, not living life fully. And again, just kind of going back to how I feel like you live your life and, and how it's a life of liberty, uh, I feel like you maybe have a risk tolerance that if you weren't born with it, uh, maybe you developed And So, uh, if you can do me a huge favor and, and, uh, just talk to me about how you assess risk in your investment, uh, in your investments, as well as just kind of in life in general.
1: Yeah, no, it's actually a really good question. And, um, i got a pretty good answer, I think for it, but so Tony Robbins talks about, he says the quality of your life will be directly proportionate to the amount of uncertainty you're willing to have. So the more certainty you need, the less risk you're willing to take, the less quality of life you're gonna have. And so just knowing that, right, you say, okay, well then how do I add more uncertainty to my life? How do I add more risk? Um, And so for me, I think it came from you do stuff, right? Because I did a lot of things that failed. Like that's the part of my story that's so funny, like is, is I was trying so many things and I was falling on my ass one after another. And what happens is, is you fail and you realize like, oh, My worst case scenario is pretty good here. Like I didn't die. Friends still think I'm pretty cool. Like I took a risk that nobody else would have taken. And was it a failure or was it not? And as you do that, it kind of allows you to kind of push it a little bit more. And so I think it's something you develop. I think as you take risks more and more, it helps you develop um, a mindset where you realize that the risk is, you know, a fun part of the adventure that the failure only comes if you don't do it. And so for me, When I was younger, for example, I took some bad risks. Um, I opened a company that I took on $120,000 of debt from the bank to open this company when I was 22 years old, a meat company. Lost my ass. Uh, Business partner uh, ended up stealing all my money. And, you know, I ended up having to pay that off. Um, Then I, you know, was very aggressive in the real estate game. I bought 13 real estate properties by the time I was 26 years old. Back then, you could put nothing down, so I just kept buying houses, and I uh, ended up losing a lot of money as well when the market tanked, and, uh, you know, got stuck with a lot of debt again that I had to pay off, and I mean, it was hard, like, looking back, I would not want to do it again, but... Even in those moments, I was happy. Like I was working hard, I was learning, I was falling on my face and getting back up, and I just always knew I was gonna be somebody. I just figured like, all right, it's taking me longer than I thought to get there, <laughs> you know. And, um, and so, as you do those things though, and you fall and you get back up, and you're like, yeah, I'm still good, I'm still alive. And so I think that allows you to have more and more risk, and then you start looking into like what's really risky. And this is the part that changed my life. Like, you know, like I swim with tiger sharks and I've ran with the bulls and I've, um, bungee jumped the 750 foot bungee, one of the biggest in the world in Africa. I've slept in the middle of the bush forest, 200 yards from lions. Like I've done a lot of what look like really risky things, but what I've done is I'm actually super smart about it is I've looked at the real data and I let that really make the outcome like so like it's actually not risky to swim with tiger sharks if you do it the right way it is but it isn't um it's you know the bungee jump nobody's dying bungee jumping like i did for you know my birthday i took 30 of my buddies to moab and we did this rope swing Well, I didn't hire some doofus. I've hired the only guy that I would ever hire to do this or partnered with, whatever. And he, you know, did this for me and set it up. And it was the safest thing you've ever seen. We jumped off and it was like, yeah, everybody was, of course, was going to be fine. It has the appearance of like this crazy uh, risk. But the reality is the data proves otherwise. And that's why like. You know, even with my response to coronavirus and how this thing's all gone down, like, I'm just a logical person. I look at it and like, okay, I don't actually have any risk here. Like, there is much more risky for people to be locked in their homes. It's much more risky for kids to have to wear a mask to what this does to them long-term than it is to actually be exposed to COVID. And like, even if you get it, the odds of you dying from it. I and mean, if you actually look at the data, it's the same as it's the reason I'm willing to go hike with gorillas in Uganda up in the mountains, because it's not actually a problem. Like, and so, and as you do those things, cause it is intimidating when I mean, you see the tiger shark, you know, coming in from the deep blue, it looks like a mini bus coming at you. And you're like, there's a moment of like, oh shit, what have I done? You know, why am I here? Um, but then you have the experience and it's one of the most beautiful, peaceful, majestic experiences of your life. And you're sitting there with that shark and you're sharing energy and there's no cage. I mean, you're, it's you and him there in the water and you're like, your eyes meet. And you're like, this shark is feeling me and it, it's not threatened. I'm not threatened. And it's the most beautiful connection. Same thing with, you know, when you jump off that cliff and you feel, Oh my gosh, I am alive. Like you feel this complete rush of like, Oh, this is, I'm simulating the feeling of jumping to my death. And then the rub <laughs> catches you 15 feet from the ground and you swing through this gully and you're just most majestic thing you've ever seen. And it's like all of a sudden you realize that, you know, those rewards that come by pushing past the fear. And same thing in business, like, you know, and people are like, Man, how do you dare to buy 30 houses? What if the market turns? It's like, well, I'm not an idiot. A, hey, I've learned how to do that the right way. But also like It's all good. Like if I lose everything, I'll just make it back. Like, and and you get that by having experience and then you have confidence in yourself. And the more you do these things, the more confident you become. My whole coaching program that I've set up is designed. Like one of the major themes of my program is to help guys break through whatever limiting belief they have or whatever's holding them back. They're living this life where they're trying to play it safe still. Um, And ultimately it comes down to like on our deathbeds, nobody regrets the things they did. Nobody's going to be like, oh man, if I just hadn't gone to all those countries and visited them, you know, like my life would have been better. Or like if I hadn't taken all those risks, my life would have been better. No, like, you know, the majority of the time we're at the end of the day, we're happy that we risked whatever it was. And so I'm trying to do things like, you know, that's the program. Every three months we go do something crazy. We, um, you know, we go bungee jump off a helicopter or we, Uh, go cliff jumping on Havasupai Falls, or we uh, go run with the bulls. We're going to do all these different things. And, and it's all designed because once you have that breakthrough, once you can push, I guess, your parameter of where you're comfortable Um, you really open up your life to so many more things you can do and you can go for it in every other aspect of life. And I think that to me is one of the most important lessons a person can get on this earth. And so the more you can push yourself, the more you can push into the uncomfortability like Tony Robbins says, the higher quality of life you're going to have.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, and I, I really like how you said the reality is, so you, you look at the risks, you kind of look at the data and I mean, in a lot of ways, the data reflects reality. And if we're running around scared and emotional about our decisions, or you know, trying to hide from a virus that you're most likely to survive, and and just uh, or you know, for instance, running with the bulls—I don't even know what that's like—but that sounds kind of fun, also really scary. Uh, <laughs> and I guess you looked at the data, and you're like, "All right, well, most." Yeah, of I mean, it I don't want to it. die. I love
1: my life, but <laughs> I right, But there's but...
0: something about that, though, right? There's something about like facing mortality. Totally, yeah, that's like well, when you feel
1: alive, man. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, like this is living 700
0: you know? plus feet, like bungee jumping. Like, I, I mean, so what for like five seconds, you're like, I am, yeah, you got time
1: <laughs> to think about what you've done, you know, You're like, oh. <laughs> and then you go yeah. all the way up. I hope and the rope
0: doesn't break, <laughs> and then you go all the
1: way back down again, and, it's, and you pretty much do it twice because it basically shoots you all the way back yeah, up, but shoots you back up, and then you're doing pretty it awesome, again. though, man. You get done with that, and you're just like, wow, so gosh, are you just hoping
0: the rope? Because that's always my question about bungee jumping, is like, you. You hope the rope doesn't like wrap around your neck on the way back down. Like, how do you mitigate
1: that? No, because that's the problem is so there's, there's actually a story. Like one of my a mentors, of
0: jumping lesson, I guess. My
1: mentor told me a story one time. No, and that's the mm. problem that a lot of people have is they mm. focus on what can go wrong. Yeah. Right. Mm. And I focus on what can go right. Yeah. Like no bungee jumps. I'm going to wrap around my neck and pop my head off. If it does, it does. There we go. Keep filming. You know what I mean? Like that's not going to happen, but,
0: um, uh, <laughs> well how did left. Jimmy die? You're not going to
1: believe this, but he was bungee jumping in Africa. Okay. I'm already believing this, but go ahead. Well, the rope wrapped around his head and, there he went, you know. <laughs> Got it on video. I don't know. I can think of worse ways to go, I guess. But no, my point is like, people don't just die doing this stuff. And so it's like, I don't think of what can go wrong. I always think of what can go right. Like, how, you know, how is this going to make me feel? How am I, how, like, well, this is part of just living an extraordinary life. And so, but where people get screwed up is they do that, though. They think about what can go wrong. Like, immediately their mind goes to, you know, oh my gosh, what if this? Well, I don't ever focus on that. I, again, I've done, I've researched like the place I picked, they have been in business for like 20 years. They're doing 200 jumps a day. I Googled it. Nobody's died yet. So I'm like, okay, clearly these guys have some things dialed in. 12,000 people have jumped off this bridge. Uh, pretty sure the bungee's fine. And then I looked in the, the whole thing was very professional. The ropes looked solid. Yeah. I double checked <laughs> them, putting the harness on me and yeah. voila, you're good to go.
0: Voila. All right. Well, and we have a, uh, I I didn't learn much from my time in the military, but one of the things that always stuck with me was you accept risk when benefits outweigh the cost. Uh, So it's like a cost benefit analysis, right? It's just, and, and yeah, risk reward, right? Yeah. Risk reward. And so, uh, sounds like that's, that's something that you've espoused and you've, you've really taken on in your life. Uh, something, something that I think of, uh, when, you know, going back to how we started the conversation, uh, with the troublemakers and and being a son of the the revolution or Liberty. I'll have to look that up. I know you're sons of Liberty. Sons of Liberty. Uh, I know you're a big history buff as well. That's kind of mentioned in your book. and, And you say, go to the sites. Uh, don't just learn about history, but you know, actually go to where history happened. And I think you gain an appreciation for things when, when that, when that does happen.
1: Yeah, One of the first beers I ever had was in the tavern where the sons of Liberty used to meet in Boston, actually.
0: Yes. I had to have a beer there. Uh, Samuel Adams, you of course. You shared a beer with them, like sitting there in the same tavern. <laughs> exactly. As them. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, and so uh, you also mentioned your your coaching program. Uh, and so it's and this is. I guess from your book and, and I, I think the name of your coaching program is from your book. Um, and you're, you're teaching individuals or I guess men and women or just, it's a men's group. Yeah. It's just a, men. Okay. So it's a men's group and you're, you're essentially teaching them to overcome those limiting beliefs and overcome whatever is holding them back in their minds and it's called we are they we are the they we are the they
1: yeah so that name comes so when i so a couple years ago i had the opportunity about six seven years ago to start it was five or six years ago i guess to go undercover with operation underground and i would go on ops i've been on a dozen ops with them now and after one of the ops a couple of years ago um i was on the way home with the girl i was dating and uh, I was telling her all about it. You know, it was this amazing adventure we'd been on. Like we, you know, helped rescue like 20 girls and, um, we arrested these really bad guys. And, um, I was telling her this story, but it was probably the scariest one we ever had. I mean, there was a lot of things that were pretty intense about this particular op and she pulls over the car. And I think this was the third or fourth op I'd been on at the time. And, uh, and she's like, Hey, like I actually don't like this. I don't want you to go do it anymore. It's, you know, it's super scary and super dangerous. And I was like, oh, I know, but you know, this is part of like who I am now. Like this is going to be, you know, part of my mission for my life. She goes, I know, but like, it's, it's just not a great environment. It's just scary. Like, why can't they just go do it? And without even thinking, I said, uh, I said, well, there is no they. we are the they. And when I said that, I was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, that's something. There's we got no one something. else coming to right. do this. Nobody else is going to like, yeah. they should do something about it. <laughs> they need to fix this. People say that stuff all the time. It's like, yeah. there is no they. Like, be the they. And so my, my entire life motto is we are the they. And that's the name of the coaching group as well. And, yeah, it's designed, you know, for those things as well as just i have basically going to take all the best information from all the best coaches, mentors, trainers I've had and help um, share it with the other people that are, you know, the men in this group. And then also a big part of it is the brotherhood the number one thing that people ask me on Instagram is, you know, how do I find a group of friends like you have? Um, and so I'm trying to, I'm very good at, you know, curating these experiences where men can really bond and like become close and um, have that brotherhood. And so that's a big part of what I'm putting together as well.
0: And is it across uh, the states or is it limited to Utah? Is it? Yeah, no,
1: it's about uh, yeah. half the groups from Utah, about okay. half's outside. Okay. Yeah. I awesome. mean, this first one, obviously a lot of people just know me signed up. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, we had 50 spots and I was hoping to fill it. Obviously, you don't know when you launch something, you put your heart into it, you hope people will take to it. And mm-hmm. uh, the first day we opened it, we had 140 people apply and wow. I had to shut it down after one day. So, oh, wow. yeah, it was pretty awesome, man. I'm, I'm so, pretty stoked. So, so
0: you've got the 140, and then it'll open back up and down the road, or
1: um, no? So, I yeah. mean, I picked 50 out of those yeah. 140. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Okay. So, for me to do what I'm trying to do here with the Brotherhood, it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a cheap course. So, you know, yeah. I, um, I wanted to make sure I had the right 50 people, and so mm-hmm. I went through and um, and we just talked to a few of the people to make sure it was the right fit, and then I spent I spent about two days picking the 50 out of 140. Wow! Yeah, down wow. the road, I don't know. I, I might be yeah. the only time I ever do it. I might open it up to the masses. I might change the pricing and go bigger. I don't. I don't know exactly. So, yeah. I, I'm just gonna do it the best I can for this next little bit and um, really provide as much value as possible. And then I think it'll direct itself
0: yeah it sounds like it'll be it'll be life-changing for those 50 individuals and then think about the impact that they're going to have on the people in their lives and then it'll. yeah and that's where it
1: there. gets fun you know it's yeah. like these are these are leaders in their community these are men that have families these are yeah. um these are guys that are already kicking butt at life it's just yeah. we're just going to help them get to the next level and um, you know just the same things that i did so and yeah. in doing so yeah
0: yeah so um, i guess there's there's a lot to liberty, and I guess there's a lot to how we live our lives and how we choose who we associate with and how we choose our brotherhoods, how we how we choose our tribes uh, but but I feel like one of the things that you like to focus on, just listening to you, kind of following you for a little bit, we actually had an exchange on Instagram uh, once where you had given advice to a missionary uh, who was like, who was reaching out to you for advice and like, Hey, I'm about to go on a mission. Like what is the one thing that is important for me to know before I go out on my mission? And, um, and so you went on a mission, you kind of had that experience, you were LDS and, um, and but you know we we're talking about beer too, so maybe there was a you know there's a path away. Yeah, from it was
1: that. A, a couple of years ago. I, I I no longer associate myself with yeah. any religion, but uh-huh. I um yeah, but it was I have, I have a lot of gratitude and love for you know the heritage that I have in that religion.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and and what. I thought was pretty profound about the advice that you gave him, which I could have uh, used on my mission a little bit more and just in life in general was, uh, do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Just love the people, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's the whole thing, right? That's, that's the whole reason that you're out there is, is you're, you're out there for love. You want them to find light. And so you're, you're sharing a message that has brought you love, has brought you light. And that's, and that's like, you know, what, it seems like that's what you're continuing to do as you, as you live in gratitude, as you influence these people, as you launch your coaching program. So, um, and I guess what, what I'd like to know is what, what are your thoughts on, um, on just like how to essentially, um, I don't know, just, so you talked about limiting beliefs we we've, we've talked about Liberty a little bit. But what, what would be your advice on how to live a life more with love, with gratitude, Mm. with, with liberty? Like what, what is it that, that you found has been beneficial for you in that Yeah, I think it's
1: important to realize those are verbs. Verbs. Yeah, those are things we do. Okay. Like we love, we share gratitude, we, um. You know, choose liberty like we so love, especially, I think that's one of the things that, you know, and there's uh, one of my favorite sayings is whatever you want more of, give it away. So if you want more money, give it away. If you want more love, give it away. Like give love and you'll get it in return. If you are broke and you're like, I don't have any money, we'll give away money. And all of a sudden, just watch what happens, because what happens is the universe All of a sudden goes, oh, this dude doesn't see this stuff as scarce. If I'm giving away money, even if I don't have much, uh, then I'm telling the universe, like, yeah, I'll give it away because I know I'll get more back. And when I say give it away, don't just start running around handing your money on to whoever. But, like, do service. You give it away. You leave a larger tip, whatever that looks like, right? And as you do that, and it's got to hurt. Like, you should give enough money that it hurts. And if it hurts, you're giving enough away. That's a good way to know <laughs> And if you're just like, oh, whatever, hundred bucks, five bucks, whatever you're at in your life, like whatever doesn't hurt, it's not going to change you. But when you do that, the universe goes, yeah, he doesn't see money as scarce. So you abundantly get blessed with more money. Um, if you do the same thing with love, like it's so funny, we think there's like a limited amount of love, like you. Oh, I can only love so many people. No, you can't. Like the more love you give out, the more you get in return. And so I'm always just trying to share love. And you know, when I'm not at my best, I like violate my own rule, right. Or whatever. And I'm, if I'm mean to somebody or whatever else, I try to correct it or fix it. But, but you know, most of the time I'm coming from this place of love. And when you do that, that's what gets reciprocated back to you. And, and then, you know, and the opposite is true too. Like if other people are coming with negative energies or negative, you know, emotions, negative verbs, you just block them you just cut that out you know and I I learned not too long ago a couple of years ago I just learned like you don't even have to respond to those things like you, you negative things don't deserve a response from you. But if somebody shares love with me or in some way like reaches out, like every person that reaches out to me, um, and it's several a day, I respond to every time. Like when you reached out, I respond pretty much right away because I can appreciate that these people are sharing that love. Like they're sharing, um, an emotion with me. That's a positive thing. And so of course I'm going to reciprocate that back.
0: Yeah. Wow. So I love how you said that those are, those are verbs because the whole, like the name of the podcast is I am Liberty, right? And what I think about that is, I I believe it's an affirmation, but, and I've said this before in previous episodes, if we're, if we're doing affirmations just say like, I am love, I am joy, I am peace, all that stuff. If we're not acting, then it's just wishful thinking. It's just like we're lying to ourselves. And so, um, so I feel like, uh, that, that is like a key takeaway in, in anything that we do. If we want more of it, we, we have to give that, we have to do something about it. And so, um, so that's, that's a pretty profound message, I think. And I, you know, it's it's funny because we met. Uh, for the first time at one of your uh, one of your, uh, what was it? The $100 dinner club or mm-hmm. something. I didn't realize what it was. I didn't realize that I was giving away $100 when I <laughs> when I showed up and so I'm like, ouch, you know? Like, you thought we were all going to dinner. Yeah, I thought you guys were going to dinner. Like it was a cool networking thing. And so, uh, but then I show up and, and you were giving away, like each person there was giving away $100 in tips and so it ended up being like, and then you started the $1,000 dinner club and so you actually live, you know, live what you teach in, in a lot of ways. And so, uh, but how how much money would you say you've given away in those like hundred dollar and thousand I mean, dollar? Have you like as a group counted it? Yeah, have you counted it at all? I know. No, I mean we like did like
1: thirty met- something weeks in a row. I know yeah. that, and we've done three or four thousand dollar tip clubs. Those ones are easier to remember. I mean, we've probably given away. Close to two hundred grand, I bet, in tips wow. between us,
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. <laughs> um, and and I mean, I, I think you probably changed some lives. That at least uh, gave some people some some buffers. Uh, well, what's know, been
1: cool is like not only our group; those are just ones that we did. But like, there's been hundreds of offshoots of people that did it as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not like this. Gr- I don't need the grand number. Isn't what I focus on. What I think about is that somewhere in Wisconsin last month, some random waitress that my life would have never connected with got a hundred tip because somebody saw it on either mine or one of the people that was influenced by my dinner club that we were leaving the $100 tips and they decided to just leave $100 tip and all of a sudden some single mom like I said in Sarasota Florida or wherever it might have been all of a sudden went home and just had that much better of a day and got a $100 tip and you know that's the thing because I know there's been thousands of those situations and that's the part to me that is super cool and the most exciting is is I know those things have happened all over and that's where we get to create you know, a real change, um, if age person that maybe one of those people, I don't know, maybe they just needed to know someone loved them and all of a sudden they get a hundred dollar tip, or maybe they needed to know that somebody was caring and all of a sudden some random stranger leaves them a hundred dollar tip. Um, and to me, that was the beauty of the whole thing and is the beauty of the whole thing. It keeps going. I, you know, to this day, probably a couple times a week, I'll get DMS of people leaving a hundred dollar tip. And I, I don't even know who a lot of these people are, but, um, I think it's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. and And so you have that, Um, you, you said you created that and you created it out of a circumstance where these businesses had been shut down for whatever reasons they were shut down and in a very un-American way, right? Because these small businesses, they're supposed to be able to operate. And so you saw a need and you created something where these these waitresses and these, these waiters who were maybe struggling during these hard times because things were shut down, uh, you, you created something that contributed to, to their lives in a, in a positive way.
1: Yeah. Well, and what's cool, like, you know, you asked earlier about being an influencer. Like, I actually stole the idea from another friend of mine. Like, okay. he did it at this cool. breakfast, and yeah. I just thought it was the coolest thing. I'm, like, Shout crying his own un... friend. <laughs> yeah, his name's Rob, and I don't know where he got it from. But the point was is I'm watching this, and I'm just, like, getting choked up. I'm like, yeah. shit, I can do this. Like, I'm going to do this every week. And that's how it started. Like, it was just me watching this video going, that's awesome. I'm going to do that.
0: Well, and you're getting groups of people together in the middle of a pan- right. pandemic, air quotes, right? Yeah. Where you're not supposed to get, gather in groups.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the part of the beauty of it too is like i and i have a lot of thought went into it once i decided like oh this is something like i could make this cool um you know and part of it was you know it's very hard to get angry at the people getting together when they're doing it to leave a couple thousand bucks to a waitress or whatever you know
0: yeah well and so that's that's very emblematic again of that we are the they yeah yeah exactly so so you didn't wait for anybody to do it exactly Um, and and so I guess we're probably getting pretty close to to an hour and i know you've got other things that you've got to get to You're good. um but i guess Cause what I think of when, when I think of like, we are the they, we are the people who are taking action. We were maybe the troublemakers, the rule breakers we're we're not afraid. We don't need anybody's permission to, to do something right. We're just going to do it like, you know, hell or high water we're, we're, we're fucking going yeah. and we're going to learn along the way. Um, so, so what would you say is maybe like. Uh, a key bit of advice for somebody who is maybe afraid to take that first step maybe has those limiting beliefs they've been hurt in the past they're they're struggling and they don't want to put themselves out there again like what what is a good uh, method to live by or belief to adopt so that they can just go ahead and take that fucking action and go
1: yeah i mean do something every day that makes you a little uncomfortable Mm. that's it A lot of people talk about the cold shower, you know, like that's hasn't been my thing yet, but if that makes you uncomfortable, like rock yourself out, like maybe it's making that call that like, or that sales call that you need to make or whatever. I just, you know, it's really important to do something every day that makes you uncomfortable. And if you're willing to do that, You'll grow, and you'll grow, and you'll grow. I remember when I was in college, I had a rule. If I saw a pretty woman, a pretty girl, I had a rule. I had to go talk to her. It wasn't optional. I I had to go meet her, and I did this for years, and I met every attractive girl in town basically yeah. and a lot of times my ass got denied really hard like I fell on my face but guess what a few of them said yes <laughs> and I ended up long story short having a lot of you know attractive people around me and then really cool people to hang out with and um, but but that rejection I never took it personally it was just like I'd go up and I mean so many times my friends loved me for it they called me the initiator because i was always starting these conversations and it was it was scary for me too it got less scary but like because you learn what to say and you learn how to get over it like i remember one time i was hitting on this girl and And she's like, hey, I'm sorry, like, I'm engaged. And I was like, dang it. I was like, do you have a sister that looks exactly like you? And you say that, and then she's laughing her head out. She's like, you're actually funny. I should introduce you to my friends. You know what I mean? Like, you learn what to say, so it's no longer feeling rejected. You're just having fun with it. And it's like, we put so much pressure on ourselves. If something goes wrong, like, just move on. Like, people are always like, I try to get realtors to make videos. Um, It's a really good way to, you know, market yourself and stuff, and they don't wanna do it. And I'll tell them, I'm like, look, here's the good news. If your video sucks, no one cares. They just swipe on to the next thing. Like, it's so yeah. quick. Like, they don't even think twice about it. You're putting all this pressure on you. Like, if you could make the worst video in the world and nobody would care – they would yeah. literally just swipe right. The it's next better thing. than no video. Go round, on to the right? next thing. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like you can't really screw it up because just the practice of doing. It. I mean, my first podcast, bro. I had oh my gosh, like it was literally I was doing a podcast and I had these two high school kids like holding boom mics and videos and I was trying to. I was paying pretty good to have it done, but I didn't know what I was doing. Audio was horrible, but I ran out of questions like twelve minutes in. I don't know what to ask. And, uh, the kids that were doing the audio video, their dad was there and he starts asking questions from like behind the camera. Cause he can tell I'm like stuck <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, I didn't think I could just stop me like, dude, shut the hell up for a second. But it was just so bizarre and it was horrible. I mean, this was literally my first one I did. I think it was like the fourth or fifth one I released, but my point was, um, you got to start. You got to just do it. You know, like I was so bad. And now I'm interviewing Andy for sale and Grant Cardone and anybody I want to get on the podcast basically. But it started with that, like it was so embarrassing. It was so bad. Um, But it just, you got to start.
0: Yeah, you got to start, you got to do it. Uh, you know, hopefully I can have Andy on one day. Uh, that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. cuz uh, cuz speaking of like liberty and guys who are just not not afraid to just speak their minds and just do it. That man is just is just a force of nature.
1: Yeah, and I of think great. what something That's that Andy's so. tapped into, is yeah. something that I've kind of learned is is You know, the the most attractive quality you can have is to be unapologetically whoever you are. Like, Mm -hmm. just own it. Like, be you. Like, quit worrying what other people are thinking. Quit worrying who's not going to like you because everything you say, you're going to polarize people. And so, you know, find your own voice. Be authentically you. And then you don't have to worry about it. And here's the worst part. Like, if you're not being authentic, if you're not putting out the message it's truly you, Mm -hmm. you don't know who truly loves you anyway because they don't even know you. If you're not being honest with... Your spouse, like you, don't even know if your spouse loves you. If you're not being honest with your friends, you don't even know if your friends really like you because it's they don't know the real you. And so, just be authentically you, and then you'll find your people. And if they don't like you, at least you know.
0: I I think there's something to that. Uh, Just the the well, obviously there's something to that. And Jimmy, like you're you're on to something, right? And which is which is. A selfish reason for having these, you know, wanting to have these conversations is because I, I do feel like there's, um, there's just so much to be gleaned from, from people who are just living their, their best lives. And, and I was listening to your podcast that you released yesterday and you had an investment that went awry and you, you lost, uh, you know, 27 million, wasn't it?
1: Uh, in one day I lost over 20 million. It was like 21 million, 20,
0: 21 million. And uh, how did that affect you? Was that, was that like, devastating no, well, what or? I
1: talked about on the podcast was, you know, it was, well, it was interesting because, so, I mean, I put this money in five years earlier, I put in my whole life savings it was half a million dollars it was everything I had at the time. I borrowed the last 70 grand of it to make that happen. And you know, I, this company, it looked like it was doing well, but you never know. And then all of a sudden I make a little bit of, you know, the, the valuation goes up, valuation goes up and then it went public. And in one day, I went from my $500,000 basically went to over 30 million. And, uh, and it was just crazy, but it was my money was locked up, the stock was locked up, so I couldn't sell it or anything, right? Yeah. And the company was Nikola Motors, and everybody that's followed that story knows they had a lot of negative news hit. And the day that the, it's called the Hindenburg report hit, uh, it crashed the stock, and I think I lost like I think I did the math, I'm pretty sure it was like 21 million dollars in one day. And you're just like, or maybe it was over a course of like a couple, whatever, yeah, right? but it was a yeah. short span period. Mm-hmm. And but the day that the Hindenburg report, it was it crashed the stock. And I lost a huge amount of money. And I remember just sitting there. I was hunting with my buddies. We were in Texas. We were hunting wild pigs out of a helicopter, me, Aaron Wagner, and a couple other buddies. And uh, and it was one of the funnest days I've ever had. It was just such a good day. And I remember Aaron, and it was actually with my financial planner, was the guy that put the trip together, this guy named Michael. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting there, and, and I, he probably had a worse day than me because he was going to manage the money. But <laughs> but I was like, to me, it was like I had this Opportunity when I had the 30 million, there was a couple months period there where it was fluctuating between 30 and 25, whatever it was. You know, it's just it was a lot of money, it was enough money that I wasn't gonna have to worry about it. Yeah, Yeah. you're like done worrying about money. Yeah, and uh, and I had the experience where I got to go, Wow, like, all right, what am I gonna do next? And so, for a couple months, I was really putting a lot of time and effort into thinking about this. And I concluded, like, I couldn't think of what I want to do next. It was really hard. I realized I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. The only thing I wanted to change is I want to do this coaching program that I'm now doing. Right. It was like, and I was already, I was already putting this into play. So it wasn't like, uh, one day I'm going to do that. It was like, the only thing I want to do is I want to be doing more coaching and, and some of that stuff. But otherwise I was living the exact life I wanted to have. And so when the money was lost, um, you know, in a very short amount of time, uh, it didn't affect me at all. I mean, that day I had as just as good a day that day as I'd had... Uh, the day before. And it was like, it literally did not affect me because I knew I was doing exactly what I was going to do. And if I was supposed to have that money, I'd have the money. And, uh, and ultimately I realized like, you know what, that wasn't how I was going to make my tens of millions of dollars. Um, but it was cool, man. So it's like, to be able to go through that, to ride that roller coaster and to be able to have the experience of having that money and then losing it. <laughs> and I didn't get it. I didn't get left with zero. So that probably helped a lot But at the end of the day, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you haven't lived till you've ridden the Nikola motors roller coaster, And so it was fun, man. It was just a a life experience. I'm grateful that I got to have because it really showed me that I was on the path I should be on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's, uh, I mean, it's, I can't even comprehend, right? I've, I've lost a few thousand dollars in the stock market, but you know, to, to get into the millions and then tens of millions, uh, that's, that's pretty incomprehensible right now. Maybe I'll be there one day that'd be, that'd be pretty sweet. Um, maybe not losing it. I don't think that would be sweet, but then if you're living your best life, then, uh, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. You just go earn it again, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, speaking of being out of questions, I had so many things kind of rattling around in my brain of, of what I wanted to ask you. Uh, but you, I guess going back real quickly to what you said is do something uncomfortable every day. Uh, do, do something that makes you uncomfortable every day. And you mentioned briefly how you felt like you had a connection with the sharks and I, I don't, I've never had a connection with sharks before. You've never <laughs> swam with them in the open <laughs> I've water. Never, though. Yeah. or never stared down a gorilla or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, that's not something that, that s- an, uh, someone who's maybe uncomfortable with themselves would be comfortable with saying. Mm is that, you know, well, I have a connection with this tree or I have a connection with this shark or I have a connection with Nate, whatever it is. Like, uh, I think we we inhibit ourselves and kind of how we're authentically feeling in a lot of ways uh, because we don't want to be judged or we don't want to you know, other people think, oh, that guy is just, like, w- super weird. Uh, but then you just dropped it, like, casually. Yeah, you know, I had a connection with a tiger shark. That's not weird
1: to me. I had, a, I did have a connection with the shark, and it was beautiful. <laughs> I don't really care what anyone else thinks because I was the one that experienced it, you know? Yeah,
0: well, and so and, – and there's no denying that, right? There's, yeah. there's nothing that I can say that, that would change that. Right. And so uh, – but, but I think that really dives into – I think who who we are as as uh, as, as people in, in a lot of ways. Like we're we're scared of of people judging us. We're scared of people. Uh, well, if, if we're afraid to act like a lot of that, if we're afraid to do, if we're afraid to do something, uh, to, to make ourselves uncomfortable, whether it's talking to the hottest girl on campus, uh, you know, multiple, multiple times and just fearing that rejection or whether it's starting a business or making an investment, whatever it is, like we're, we're scared. We're scared of, being judged or we're scared of of failing. Yeah. And you talk about in your book, uh, you know, about, about being in the cave and then emerging from the cave. I think, I think we've all had moments and, and if we haven't, it's coming, uh, where we feel like we're cowering in a corner or, or, you know, there's nothing else to do. Like we're backed into a corner. There's, there's, there's nothing else to do except for, you know, just like maybe take the next breath or maybe take the next step or maybe just get out of bed because like things, things can be so dark. And, and 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 so, um, so much uh, pain or whatever it is that we're trying to avoid or trying to hide from, but I think one of the ways we heal, and you mentioned this in in your book as well, is just like get to work, you know, just like just do the work, do the work, do the work, and and you will overcome whatever it is that you're feeling by by getting to work. And there's something about that with contribution and and creating and and serving that that I think there's there's really a uh, Uh, healing aspect to that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, people talk a lot, you know, nowadays it's very popular to talk about depression and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I do, you know, very sensitive to the topic or whatever, it's a real thing. But I think, I don't know, at least two thirds or three fourths of the people that think they're depressed, they really just aren't taking care of themselves. You know, like eat better, go outside, exercise, make phone calls, whatever you want, give it away. If you want some people to, I've had friends call me. They're like, dude, I just, nobody calls me. I'm like, when was the last time you picked up the phone and called someone? Yeah. Like you can do that. Like you can create that interaction. It's like this need to, you know, but I, I just think most people aren't taking care of themselves. A lot of times, unfortunately, they're not doing the things that make you happy. They're not doing the things that get you out of a depressed state. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a really good place for people to look in. And And like, if you're feeling bad or you're feeling down, it is that first step though. Like go walk outside, go call somebody, go just walk around the supermarket and smile at people. Like literally just go do something, you know? And, and I don't know, I think that's the way that you start that snowball of getting yourself into momentum where a lot of things start working for you as opposed to against you.
0: Yeah. Um, and what would you say is like the, like your background or your belief system on being able to, to make those conclusions and then to go do it? Like, did you have, uh, like, I guess, uh, from, from childhood or like mentors or what, what was it that, that kind of gave you that mentality where it was like, Hey, we're doing, and, and there's, well, nothing I, else. you
1: know, I had parents that made yeah. me do things that I didn't want to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I knew I was going to do a thing where I was going to get my ass kicked. So I did that thing. <laughs> like, it's, No, I, you know, they did a great job of instilling fear and love, honestly. And so from a young age, I was doing things that, you know, sometimes I didn't want to do, but then you do it and you're excited. And then, you know, I, I remember when I was in school, probably second or third grade, and we were doing like a passing the, but bucket around for sub for Santa or something. And we all put a quarter in or whatever we had a dime or a dollar, the rich kid, you know, and I remember <laughs> I went home and I think in my whole savings, I had like 10 bucks and I put it in there, you know, and I remember I felt so good. And then I was so bugged after myself cause I didn't have any money. And then I was like, but then I remembered how good it felt and then I was happy again, but you start doing those things and you know, you have those experiences and then I'm mean, going to give up two years of my life to go serve people. And it was I was so happy. It was so rewarding. I was so happy when I was on my mission because you're all day long. Even though all you do is work, I mean, you are working so hard, and you're you live off seventy five dollars a month. My literally my floors were concrete. If you know you you're lucky if you got a hot shower half the time. Um, I mean, it was just it was you know you sacrifice, but I was so happy, and I realized that like happiness comes in the service of others. And and as I've had the opportunity to do a lot of things for myself over the years there's only so much joy you get in doing it for yourself. Um, then you start doing it for other people, you know, and you take people to this event or this thing, or you give them this experience and you see how it lights them up. And it's so much more rewarding. And ultimately it's like, it becomes kind of addicting to do good. Like you want to do the selfishly to feel good, but you just know how much good it does. And so I think that's the key is again, going back to, you know, whatever you want, give it away. Like if you want to, Uh, feel that way. If you want to be more in that kind of a place, just do it. Just start doing little things and those things add up. You start feeling good and you do more and more. And ultimately that's the kind of person you become.
0: Yeah. Well, and I want to get, so we become what we do essentially, right? Those verbs like, and, and so, um, but I kind of want to get a little, a little meta, if you will, for a little bit. So, so there is a scriptural basis to to this podcast and the name of the podcast, and uh, and I can't remember exactly where the scripture is, but it it's it's in the New Testament and it says, "Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is also liberty." And there's there's another scripture, and this one's in uh, James chapter one, where it, it talks about. Uh, those who who live in the perfect law of liberty uh, essentially remember who they are like that's their identity is, is those who are living in the law of liberty like they remember who they are as people. Um, and so. I guess I'm trying to tie that back into being our authentic selves, because when, when you have an impression or you have, you know, something that, that you feel like you should do and you don't do it, um, like there's, there's really, uh, that's coming from a certain place, right. That's coming from, you know, whatever it is, our connection to the universe, you know, or, or, yeah, or, or God, however you view God. Um, and, and so, and I think that's how we can actually try to live our, our lives uh where where we're more and more free as we follow those impressions those messages from the universe but just to kind of wrap things up so um so because i i feel like i could talk to you all day <laughs> oh, i appreciate it I mean, it's, been, it's been fun <laughs> yeah it's it's been awesome and you know it's a great great studio uh but but what would you say is like because you talk about opportunity you talk about risk you you talk about the american dream and some of your other uh some of your other um you know, podcasts and you talk about just just er- everything's available to us if if we just if we just act. But what would you say maybe a spouses or what what is your idea of what the American dream is and, and, and how we can take advantage of the opportunities in sure. America? No, that's has. a
1: good good way to wrap it up. It's uh, you know, the American dream it's it's been confused over the last couple of years as meaning equal outcome and it was never that. Um, what the American dream is to me is equal opportunity. Um, yeah, there's still, it's still harder for some people than others. Like we're not all starting the race at the same place. It's we're not, but that being said, there's all sorts of different kind of privilege that exists. Um, you know, I mean, athletes, the privilege, they have beautiful women, the privilege they have um, your race and skin color still matters, right? Neighborhood you grow up in, there's these different privileges we have, but the American dream is this. Every single one of us has the opportunity if we want to make whatever we want out of our lives. Like we have the chance to build whatever it is that we're trying to do. Um, I can't go be an NFL football player. That's not what that means. What it means is if I want to, I can build myself a beautiful life. We all have enough liberty here. We have enough freedom here. We have enough opportunity here in the United States um, and we won't get equal outcome, but we have an equal opportunity to go build a special life. I think that's what the American dream is. I think that's what makes America special. And, you know, having been, I've been to 84 countries, having been all over the world, America still stands for that to the whole world. It's the reason when they have protests in Hong Kong or Africa or wherever it might be, they, they they fly the American flag because it stands for freedom. It stands for that opportunity. And people get that that haven't been born here. I think A lot of people born in the United States, you know, and haven't really experienced life very much. They take advantage or they just don't understand the true liberty that we have, the true opportunity that we have here in the United States. And so they start looking for problems left and right. But the people that come here from other regimes or from other places, go talk to some of these, you know, immigrants. They're so beautiful to talk to. I've had several on my podcast because they just get it. They understand what it means to be in America and to have that freedom. So that to me is the American dream, man.
0: Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. And really, um just kinda uh nothing that I can add to that because because that that sums it up, but it's also really reflective of what you were saying and in, in your, your coaching program. We are the they. Like there's 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 we give up our liberty. We give up our opportunity if we're, if we're not taking action ourselves, if we're not, if we're not doing ourselves. And so, um, yeah, so take that opportunity, take it. It's yours. It's yours to take. So appreciate you have having you on the, on the podcast, man. Appreciate Love it, your man. Time.
1: Keep up the good work and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. yeah Thanks. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Take care. You bet.